Greetings, Shakespeare fan. Welcome to the Play On podcast at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. My name's Josh Stavros, sitting in for Nano Taggart this week. Today, we're excited to uh, have a conversation with Joseph Hanratty. He's the director and co-adapter of Sense and Sensibility. He was the artistic director at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater from 1993 to 2010. Joe is an actor, director, and literary adapter. And he's also co-adapted Pride and Prejudice with J.R. Sullivan. And uh, we had it performed here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival a few years ago. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Josh. Good to see you. You too. Uh, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is uh, get a little bit of your uh, background and history and then talk about uh, the uniqueness of having a world premiere both uh, in adaptation and in direction because you're wearing uh, multiple hats with us. But tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Well, I came first to direct Private Lives and... Uh, I think that was about six or seven seasons ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and I knew J.R. Sullivan, who was then uh, the co-artistic director. And uh, Brian Vaughn was also a member of our acting company for many years at the Milwaukee Rep. So I've had a lot of direct connections with uh, some of the leaders and uh, stars uh, of the festival. And uh, I also came back the next year to direct uh, Macbeth. Uh, which was playing opposite the uh, production of Pride and Prejudice that Blake Robeson directed. Excellent. Well, I know from reading a little bit about you online that you uh, have articulated in several places your love of classic literature and that, that there's something that sort of you connect with and, and are passionate about. Can you talk a little bit about what it is about classic literature that speaks to you? Well, I, I love doing the classics. Actually, as much of my work has been in original plays and new plays as, as classics. But uh, I think my love of theater started when I grew up in the Bay Area and I was seeing a lot of terrific performances at the American Conservatory Theater. Uh, I hadn't had any background in theater, but uh, was interested in literature and reading and uh, wasn't sure if I was going to go to college or not. But uh, I, I was really quite captivated by the energy and uh, the ideas in a very physical, visceral uh, form and uh, uh, an audience being captivated moment to moment through some of these plays. So I, I have kind of followed with that. And my most of my early career was in festivals and uh, classical literature and Shakespeare. Is there a performance or a production that sort of stands out in your mind as, as formative in your oh. early watching or working? Yeah, it was a production of Tartuffe that uh, René Abrigenois, uh played the title role in. I knew nothing about Molière. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like a French name. <laughs> uh, I was given tickets by uh, my boss at a cabinet shop I was working at in San Francisco who had a connection to the theater and uh, uh, had no idea what to expect. And uh, it was just extraordinarily visceral and funny and uh, moving and scary and melodramatic and exciting. And, uh, I started going back to plays and eventually started taking some of the adult education acting classes at American Conservatory Theater. That's wonderful. As we talk, sort of shift gears and talk a little bit about uh, Sense and Sensibility, it's not your first adaptation, no. nor, nor was Pride and Prejudice, which you adapted before, and which, which was a, didn't premiere here, but was performed here. What are some of the other shows you've adapted and well, Christmas Carol, which we've done for many years at the Milwaukee Rep. Uh, I, I also uh, directed a early uh, 20th century thriller uh, 
which we called Seven Keys to Slaughter Peak, uh, <laughs> that Brian Vaughn played the lead in. And that was the last play I did uh, at the Milwaukee Rep. And uh, uh, I've also uh, adapted some Pirandello plays. Oh, wonderful. I know that the Christmas Carol you adapted with Ed Morgan, right? That's right. Uh, it was, uh, has yeah, direct, who's been here. Directed here as well. Yeah. Do you find that directing, or excuse me, adapting with a partner uh, advantageous is... Is that something you seek out, or does it just sort of work out? Has, no, it's worked it out that worked way with that Jim, way. and it worked out that way with Ed. Uh, Morgan, as Ed likes to go yeah. by, uh, uh, was uh, uh, my associate artistic director at uh, the Milwaukee Rep at the time. Uh, and, you know, it was expedient <laughs> at the time. Uh, but also, uh, that was an ideal partnership uh, in that Morgan is really a tremendous uh, musicologist, and uh, had, had, we wanted to incorporate a lot of early music into the show uh, in, in some fairly tricky vocal harmonies. Uh, and although we worked on the script together, uh, that was really a, a particular gift that he had, and, and I think what is, makes the adaptation special. Excellent, excellent. As you uh, tackled Austin for the second time, uh -huh. uh, did you feel like you'd learned things from the first go around that you either approached differently with Jim or, uh, or was it, or is it a similar process in terms of adaptation for you for Sense and Sensibility? It was a little bit different just in terms of the dynamics because Jim was really tied up with uh, moving his life from New York to Chicago at the uh, time. And uh -huh. so I, I really needed to kind of launch in to make our, our, our deadline. Uh, but I did feel that some things that we had uh, felt successful about in Pride and Prejudice, which is to try to still make uh, a very narrative-oriented story uh, completely in dialogue. Uh, rather than use direct address uh, to the audience or the many letters that are in the play to, to have them uh, theatrically presented. We would try to reconceive the play and structure it in some way uh, that all of the information would come through uh, dialogue, which isn't always easy because uh, uh, some of the most beautiful passages are in narrative. Uh, and also uh, the heroines uh, in both plays have secrets uh, that they mull over with an interior internal monologue, monologue uh, right. and so uh, to theatricalize a secret <laughs> that, that no one can talk to uh, is, is a challenge. Has your experience as an actor and a director informed the way you write and adapt? Well, I think with language, uh, that how to package uh, language so it's going to be speakable. Uh, and certainly Shakespeare is the master there, how to phrase long thoughts uh, and to place the rhythm of the sentence so that the energy transfers to the other actor. There are a lot of little things that you get from having been in plays and directing plays and know how to keep a story moving forward. Uh, that said, you get into rehearsal, we're still rearranging, you're still sure. finessing all the way through. One of the things I remember so vividly from Pride and Prejudice was the 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 smooth and and the nature of the narrative of, of the show in terms of the structure was so smooth and you had worked transitions so clearly and it, it just felt so cohesive and it felt so theatrical and, and it didn't feel like I was watching a book. Well, it felt like any... I was experiencing a play and I remember thinking that that's not easy and that that's not a simple process and it's exciting that you feel that 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 is continuing in terms of translating from narrative into into dialogue well thanks because we, we worked on that uh, hard good uh, and a lot of it is 
the nature of taking an epic novel and putting it on stage means that there's going to be a lot of short scenes yeah. uh, more often than not and how you're going to have a continuity of action even though you're changing locales all the time uh, Shakespeare is the sort of dramaturgical model for that mm -hmm. because uh, those are very cinematic plays with a number of locations and a number of short scenes uh, and the audience's imagination tell us where we are usually somebody comes out and says it's a fair night and of course they were performing plays during the day so they needed that little bit of dialogue or that needed that little bit of location we do that as well although we're trying to transfer scenes and i think a lot of the scenes are even shorter than a lot of shakespeare scenes it's interesting to think about the, the sort of literary connections from staging a shakespeare play to staging a, a, a modern adaptation of a 19th century novel why do you think, or where, as you as you dive in a second time, this uh, sort of modern obsession with Austin and uh, country gentility comes from, and and how has that affected your process, if at all? Well, part of the popularity is she's just such a good storyteller. Uh, I do think that there's universal themes, and I don't know that uh, they're any more relevant today than they were in her times or any time since. Uh, but all of those six heroines in, in those six books uh, are all look, looking for some kind of romantic connection. They're looking for a long-term relationship. Uh, they're looking for a partner that they can learn to love more and more as they get older rather than less and less. Uh -huh. And they're making this decision when they're just coming of age. Uh, they have they're bright, they're intelligent, but they have very little world experience. Uh, and they make mistakes, and they recover from those mistakes. Uh, and that is, we're very, very contemporary, and it is always contemporary. Now, what could be more relevant than that? Yes, and, and in Sense and Sensibility, uh, the central question is between these two temperamentally different sisters. Uh, Eleanor Dashwood uh, is very private uh, with her feelings. Uh, she uh, leads uh, with her mind rather than her heart. Uh, Marianne leads with her heart, has all of her emotions in the, on the surface, uh, has very easy access to her emotions, uh, and we almost have a case study in two ways of leading your life. And Jane Austen isn't saying one is better than the other. She's acknowledging that people just uh, uh, have different temperaments and different compositions. But how to negotiate a world uh, uh, to be connected to a partner, to decide whether or not love at first sight uh, is and, and, and an intuitive sense that you have a connection with somebody is superior to a relationship that forms over a long period of time. Uh, all of these are the questions that we deal with all of the time as we make not only love connections, friendships, any, any kind yeah. of connection with people. It's great. It's, it's an interesting way to think about it because I think so often sometimes these novels get boiled down to their social issues in terms of you know, gender status and class status. And there's so much more there than just those things in, in the characters rather than the, the circumstances. Those are important, but those are just the given circumstances for the real story. Yeah. As you look at having now adapted or in the process of adapting as it continues to evolve in rehearsal, uh, what approaches do you take in terms of directing your work that you've adapted? Because it's a, that's somewhat unique as well, that not only are you in the position of playwright, but the position of director. 
Sure. Uh, as I'm writing, certainly I have some notion of the staging. Uh, uh, yet then we get into uh, working with it, not only individually bringing it together, but having this play fit in with two other plays uh, in the repertory. And uh, have a brilliant designer in Hugh Landwehr, who's been a, a great partner and uh, uh, has worked with me through several iterations, not only as the ideas uh, of the play evolved, but as the circumstances of budget and, and making the play fit in with Into the Woods and Twelfth Night and change out every night. So there's several, several uh, variables that uh, go together. Uh, that said, in the end of the day, it is a slightly different physical production uh, than I might have envisioned when uh, I wrote the play, and yet it seems perfect now. And I imagine uh, if I were to do it again, this would probably be a starting point. Uh, we had a question from one of our uh, followers on Twitter, Chris Jennings, asked, coming back to uh, character and dialogue, which Sense and Sensibility character is your favorite to write dialogue for and why? Probably Sir John Middleton, who <laughs> is the uh, country uh, guy who leads from the heart, and he provides a home from the Dashwoods when they have uh, lost theirs. Uh, and he's just such a down-to-earth uh, character. Uh, and part uh, of it, there's a, Austin get, writes some terrific dialogue for him, and trying to fit it into the play was, was a lot of fun. It seems like there aren't a whole lot of, adapt, of theatrical adaptations of Austin out there, but there are some. But why, why, isn't, why aren't there more? Actually, I think there's a lot. Oh. Um, uh, and one of the challenges, of course, of doing um, uh, plays, there's a lot of characters and they're big casts. And uh, our, our cast here is in the mid-20s, uh, as was uh, Pride and Prejudice. So there's only a few theaters that can get their arms around right. uh, these plays. Uh, lots of them are classical repertory companies who already have a company of actors. Uh, so... Uh, trying to get these kinds of plays into eight, nine, four characters, which uh, is, is, would be almost impossible. I'm glad you brought up company. That's another question I wanted to ask is I know when you were at Milwaukee, you worked very hard to strengthen the idea of the resident company and that that was a big part of, of your vision there. Did that experience and that philosophy and ethos sort of inform the way that you write and work and direct in terms of, in terms of the style, making these shows company ensemble pieces? Well, certainly when we developed the Pride and Prejudice in Milwaukee, uh, we had a strong idea as to who were going to play a number of the roles. And we uh, were fortunate to be able to have a number of workshops uh, over the year uh, that the writing took place and readings and, uh, and revisions. Uh, and uh, those were extremely informative. We also had a 14-member intern company that I had pretty complete access to, so I could call them together uh, and uh, and read it whenever we, we had a, a draft, and that was extremely helpful. Uh, here, uh, Utah is beginning to have, if not a formal company, uh, a, a core group of actors who return regularly, and there definitely is a sense of ensemble ensemble and an esprit de corps among the company that's very helpful. And I have worked with almost half of the cast, uh, uh, either uh, at the Utah Shakespeare Festival or at the Milwaukee Rep, or I've been directing a lot uh, in uh, other theaters around the country since. And uh, so I, I would say I had a, a real strong sense 
of, uh, of half of the actors. And then the other quarter I had seen perform and knew socially uh -huh. and uh, was really eager to work with. So I, I think we hit the rehearsals with a feeling of company. There are a lot of rabid Austin fans out, as we said before. Are, do, you, do you feel pressure or uh, are you worried at all about sort of expectations from the, fan, from the fandom? I did originally um, <laughs> with Pride and Prejudice, uh, which is a perfect work of fiction. Uh -huh. uh, and I came into it trepidatiously thinking that the only thing I can do is blemish this perfect <laughs> work of art. Uh, and we were also uh, not working together with, but we enlisted the support of the Jane Austen Society of North America, uh, who have been great fans of the work in all of the productions, and Pride and Prejudice has had several uh, productions. And I thought, oh, they're going to be very proprietary about, uh, about this story, and uh, I have to get it just right. Uh, yet, uh, writing a play is a very, very different thing than a novel. They're very different art mm -hmm. forms. And so rather than lift pieces directly from the book, uh, we did have to restructure some of the scenes, write a few scenes. Uh, that ultimate literary heresy creates scenes and dialogue and even characters that aren't uh, exactly as they are uh, in the book. So I, I liked to pretend that Jane Austen wrote in the case of Pride and Prejudice 400 pages of notes for a play that she never got around <laughs> to writing and said, well, here you can just do what you yeah, here's want. My notes. And the same with, with Sense and Sensibility. But I found that uh, the Jane Austen group uh, were delightful, uh, open people and just, just loved the spirit of the books uh, and felt that, of course, these texts will always be exactly as they are uh, in their libraries and and available to anyone around the world. And, and we can do no harm yeah. uh, with these uh, uh, pieces. And if we bring the idea uh, of these books to more people and more people are enthusiastic about Jane Austen, and if it inspires them to read the original book, all the better. Well, and you've done such a great job, I think, of keeping the spirit of the language, even in the addition of scenes or characters, that that felicity of speech, as they say, is, that is, you know, as you said before, so Shakespearean in its structure and ideal and that those, the loves are concurrent. What do you love most about the Dashwood family? That they hang together in adversity and not only in adversity, that they are temperamentally opposite. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in the way of any great family, they know how to have a healthy fight <laughs> and a healthy debate. And uh, these two sisters, Eleanor Dashwood and Marianne Dashwood, just go through a tremendous turmoil. Uh, and they wind up inadvertently hurting each other uh, in, in different ways. And yet they come together in, in a way that's, uh, that's very moving. Uh, so I, I think one of the things I just love about Jane Austen is uh, she's extremely non-judgmental in the way in which she treats uh, all of her characters, even the most villainous characters. Uh, 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 she writes objectively uh, and, and without an extreme uh, amount of comment uh, on, on their character. Uh, and those characters that uh, are at the center of it are not 
moralistic mouthpieces. They're very, very flawed uh, uh, people who have incredible blind sides, uh, and they learn from these experiences, and they're very, very human stories. Uh, and I think she's very, very astute about family dynamics. When you compare the uh, the two gentlemen that are, or the three gentlemen rather, that the, the various sisters are interested in, what what in terms of your adaptation, what what did you focus on with uh, with Colonel Brandon and 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 Willoughby and well, honestly, with uh, uh, Colonel Brandon and Edward Ferrers, uh, who are the two love interests, I think for a dramatic adaptation, you have to cheat a bit uh, because there is in many ways a debate going on uh, in the novel uh, between uh, surface in that we see in somebody and someone's inner depth and being able to pry into that. So... In some ways, in the book, I think Jane Austen has made uh, Edward Ferrers diffident to a fault and, uh, and Colonel Brandon remote to a fault to, and Willoughby charismatic, uh, uh, heads and heels above the other two. Uh, as things turn out, the character of a person is not always revealed in their exterior charisma. Yet, to create um, uh, a stage character, they may not need to be charismatic, but they have to be appealing in some ways. And so there is a charm, uh, there is a wit, uh, there is a vulnerability uh, that I think we've tried to create for both of these uh, uh, leading men. Even though I hadn't seen Emma Thompson's film since it came out long ago, uh, I remember when I did see it, it was shortly after I had read the book, uh, and I thought that in many ways the treatment, certainly for a theatrical presentation, uh, 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 was more rewarding than an absolutely faithful rendition. Uh, Edward Ferris is not Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah. Nor is Colonel Brandon Alan Rickman. Uh, I mean, these guys have uh, a, a charisma and an interest that they bring uh, that uh, Jane Austen almost steadfastly refuses to give those characters in the original. Do you book. think that that was, I mean, do you think that that was intentional in terms of highlighting a contrast or, or a specific character well, style? Or was it just her particular style in terms of writing people? Well, that's a debate that could go on forever because we don't know. Uh, and uh, only a few of uh, Jane Austen's letters survive. We do know that there was a tremendous amount of time between uh, her initial writing of both Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. Uh, and Claire Tomlin, in her, in her biography, makes a very interesting case in uh, Sense and Sensibility uh, that says that Jane Austen changed her mind about those characters over the length of revision, <laughs> uh, that at the beginning of the play, uh, she definitely favors Mary, uh, excuse me, Eleanor's uh, point of view, uh, and to the ex you know to the expense of Marianne. Uh, over a period of time, you can see her warming and warming and warming to Marianne's emotion and vulnerability and accessibility, and becoming even a little more critical. Uh, of uh, Eleanor's withholding of emotion, uh, and, and even though she's honorable to 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 a fault, the 
the ravages that it makes to her psyche uh, as she as she contains us and how she uh, is her own worst enemy. Whether or not this is the absolute plan from the of the book from the start, or whether there's a change uh, of Jane Austen's heart uh, as she writes the book, is an open and debatable, and I think kind of interesting question. Yeah. No answer, but it's an yeah, interesting great question. question. Well, and Sense, uh, Sense and Sensibility was really her first crack at writing this, a novel, and it, it was originally titled Eleanor and Marianne, and was predominantly the letters, correctly? It was really just a collection of letters structured as the story through the exchange of letters between these two sisters. Yes, we don't have drafts, and so we don't know that, but uh, uh, from letters and uh, other other sources, uh, both Pride and Prejudice and uh, uh, Sense and Sensibility were epistolatory novels with uh, just the story told through the letters. Did you find yourself thinking about that style as you adapted, that the, or, or because of the nature of the theatricality of it, that it didn't inform very much? No, I, I knew about it, but that that wasn't going to be uh, anything that we were going to incorporate in the book. So I mean, the more you know, the yeah, the more you know. Uh, but but no, it wasn't a direct influence. Anything? Any sort of final thoughts you want to say as as far as uh, the story or the? Well, I'm extremely optimistic for a good result. Uh, we have a great cast, and uh, uh, Brian and uh, David, uh, of course, put a cast together for the uh, entire festival. But uh, in terms of not only the talent or the energy, but uh, sort of the esprit de corps in the room, the fun in the room, uh, the sense of wit and what everybody's bringing, and they're extremely well cast in the in the parts. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic. Good, good. Well, on behalf of the Shakespeare Festival, we're grateful that you uh, took the time and energy to create this work and to direct it, and we're very excited to have it uh, premiere for our audiences this year. Uh, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Next week, tune in to hear our conversation with Brian Vaughn on June 11th. We want to have your questions on the podcast and incorporate them into the show. You can send them by email to podcast at bard.org or through Twitter at playonutshakes. If you'd like to ask Brian a question, please send it in to us by the 5th of June. We would, we'll be visiting with Jeremy Mann on June 18th, and we'd love to have your questions submitted by June 12th. All of this information is on bard.org under the News Media tab. Look for us there. <laughs>